pray. Father, I love you. I thank you so much uh, for the chance that we get to come together uh, as, as the church, as your people, um, but Lord, just as, as people that love you. And we're so thankful that you love us. So God, as your spirit has already been moving through this place, I pray that that would continue. Lord, I pray that we can um, lean into uh, to the truth of your word here uh, for the next few minutes. Uh, Lord, as, as we're challenged, I pray that we're changed by the truths that are here. And Lord, that you would uh, just move powerfully. We love you in your name. Amen. So that video has a, a lot of truth in it. Um, and there are a lot of truths that are there and a lot of uh, good questions that are in that video that I hope um, are convicting to you in, in some ways. And I'm just gonna kind of maybe a little bit of a warning right up front. Today might be a little bit convicting for you. Um, today might be a day where you hear a couple of, of maybe they're a little bit difficult things. Um, and that leads us to our topic of spiritual disciplines that we're gonna look at over the next couple of weeks, but we're really going to address the, the topic of spiritual disciplines, but it's really all starting with prayer. It's all starting with prayer. Uh, prayer is, in, in many ways, a spiritual discipline that, that everything uh, strives or branches off from. But as we begin the, the new year together, and we look at some of these, uh, some of these things, um, some of this may feel a little old hat to you, uh, if you've been a believer for a while, you may be like, yeah, I've heard these things before. I want to encourage you to like, push back on that feeling and to really kind of see this in a bit of a new way. For others of you, you may see the word discipline up there and think like, oh man, I'm in trouble. That, that is not the kind of discipline we're talking about, right? Um, not, in, not in that way. Um, the motivation to practice the spiritual disciplines that we are... Um, told to, to practice really begins with a longing for God, right? As we worship and we praise him this morning and we, and we sing, I hope that when you, when you come together as the church, as we come together to worship, I hope that there's a, a level of you that has expectations of meeting the Lord, right? Of experiencing God together in this place with fellow believers, or maybe, maybe you're not a believer yet. Maybe you're still seeking, and you've got some questions, and, and, and all of that stuff, and that's great. You're, you're, we're, we're glad that you're here, and, and, but, but I also hope that you did walk in with an expectation to experience something maybe a little bit supernatural, um, something a little bit different than what the world has to offer, and this deep-seated, rooted desire to be closer to God, to know his strength, to experience his peace is something that as followers of Jesus we should be longing for. And so let me ask you this. While he was walking this earth, who, who did that? And who are we supposed to imitate? Jesus, right? Jesus, and, that, and that's really a, a good way of looking what spiritual disciplines are. Are. A good way to define spiritual disciplines would be this ways of living that imitate the ways that Jesus lived. Let's not overcomplicate it. This is a good way to look at it. Ways of living that imitate the ways that Jesus lived. And so Jesus prayed, so we pray. Jesus fasted, so we fast. Jesus sought solitude with God, and so we should 
as well. Jesus worshiped, and so we worship. Jesus praised the Lord, and so we do that also. Jesus served people. He served the least of these, and so we serve the least of these. And we can't be Jesus, but we can sure do our best to live like him. This series is called 21 Days. And for the next 21 days, I am calling our church to 21 days of reading, prayer, and fasting. And before you freak out and you're like, I got lunch plans, right? <laughs> Just like, it, take a breath, it's fine. You're gonna, you're gonna be fine, right? I'll explain a little more what we're doing as, as we kind of move forward uh, into this. I'm not gonna ask you to just read the Bible and pray for 21 straight days and not eat. Um, but these things, reading the word, right? Prayer, fasting, along with a whole array of other spiritual disciplines that really do branch off of those, they draw us closer to God. Time spent in undivided attention to God remains uh, the, the most important thing that we should do. And it also reminds us who God is. It reminds us that Christ alone can save. It reminds us that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God is what brings life. It's a perfect way to begin the new year together. And that is the key word here, together. Because this is something we are going to do, hopefully, together. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke in chapter 10. Chapter 10 in the Gospel of Luke. And, um, and this may not necessarily be, if you, if you know your Bible, um, this may not be the story that you thought I was going to hit today. And that's okay. Um, you're going to see why, why we're starting with this. Um, and a little bit of, of background to it. Mary, uh, not that one, um, is, uh, and her sister Martha have their home in Bethany, which is on the road to Jerusalem. Their brother is Lazarus. Yes, that one. And because there's more. But, um, but at the same time, like they have Jesus into their home here, right? And they're friends with Jesus from, like they have history with him. They've known him for a while. We know this. Yet he's in, his, in the middle of his ministry here and that doesn't change the fact that he is the Messiah. That doesn't change the fact that he is the son of God even though they have some history with him that, that goes back further than when his ministry began. And so understanding that a little bit, Let's jump into the passage here. Verse 38 in Luke chapter 10 says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what was taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Now, if you don't have history with somebody like Jesus, you don't have the guts to say that sentence, right? But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. So Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus in, in the posture of a Jewish scholar which she's culturally breaking the rules here. 
and because of her status and such, and she doesn't care. And Jesus doesn't really care either because his teaching was for everyone, even good friends that he had history with. And so she's sitting there listening to Jesus because Jesus is in her house teaching. And she's like, I'm gonna take advantage of this opportunity now because Jesus is in my home. And Martha does the opposite. I've gotta get everything ready. I've gotta prepare, we've gotta eat, yada, yada, yada. And all of those things. And I'm sure you can like relate to that, right? But Jesus, he kind of gets down to business when Martha questions him. And he acknowledges the anxiety, he acknowledges the burden that's there. Yeah, I get it, you got stuff to get ready, understand. But he basically says to her, you know, you had a choice. You had a choice about how to, how to handle this right here. And Mary had a choice as well. And she chose wisely. She chose better. Because she sat down to listen to the Son of God teach. And her devotion to God was of more priority to her her spiritual growth was more of a priority to her than the distractions of the world and the distractions that were going on even inside her home at the time. Now listen, the things that Mary or Martha was doing, they weren't wrong. It's not wrong to prepare the meal and all of those things. They weren't bad, but her timing was bad, right? Her timing was bad and her priorities were clearly all wrong and Jesus calls her out on that. And Martha could have made the same choice that Mary did. And Jesus holds her responsible for not doing so. So here's kind of the first difficult thing I'm gonna say to you is this. We all have a choice. And Jesus holds us responsible for that choice. We all have a choice. We are all held responsible for the choices that we make. And so will we choose to put the spiritual disciplines first in our priorities at the top of our priority list or are we going to move them down on the list to the things that we'll get to when everything else is done it's tough to hear but I'm not wrong like Martha and Mary we have a choice and when it comes to your growth your spiritual growth and your walk with the Lord what choice are you making you know, outside of this service right here, we have 167 hours in a week. There's 168 hours in a week, and one of them we spend here together. And don't get me wrong, this is important. There's a lot of value to a corporate gathering as the church of us getting together. I love this. It's, it's you know, one of my favorite hours of the week, if not my favorite hour of the week. But there's 167 others. And if this is the only time that I connect with Jesus... If this is the only time I open my Bible, if this is the only time I pray, wow. You know, I get the question often, probably once a month, why, why do I feel far from God? I've heard that question often. I, I feel far from God. Why don't, I, why don't I hear from him like I used to? some version of that question. And my question back to them is always this. How is your prayer life? Are you in the word of God? Are you reading the Bible? Usually my answer, the answer that I get back from that is 
not a very good prayer life, and I probably am only in my Bible on Sundays. Or if the Bible app tells me, here's the verse of the day. Right? Ironically, the very next chapter, Luke chapter 11, Jesus actually teaches the Lord's Prayer. He teaches the Lord's Prayer. And, and the value of prayer, like I don't think that's an accident <laughs> that that's the next chapter right after that. Reading the Word of God and prayer, they are the most important spiritual disciplines because everything we do as a follower of Jesus branches off from those things. And here's the other thing. They are both forms of communication with God. Both of them. Both forms of communication with God, both free of charge. If you don't have a Bible, I will gladly give you one. We have boxes of them. Would love to give you a Bible if you don't have one. And prayer, that's free any time of day, no matter where you're at. I hope you knew that. Jesus prioritizes these things. He prioritizes them. And if we're imitating the way that he lived, then we should prioritize them as well. And there are other spiritual disciplines, of course. There's other things, studying and memorizing the word of God, um, serving, praise and worship, discipleship through relationships with other believers in, in, in small groups. We call those life groups. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. He had a small group. Uh, Sabbath and rest, that's a spiritual discipline. Some of you are like, I got that one down, Jay. Jesus and naps. Yep. I'm, I'm good there, right? <laughs> that's not what Sabbath means. Communion and solitude with God, those are spiritual disciplines. But that could also be considered dedicated prayer time, and should be. And that leads us to incorporating fasting into that. And again, I'm gonna get more into that directly next week. So don't let that one freak you out. But essentially, what we're trying to do here, what I'm trying to inspire you to do, and, and, and hopefully what you're seeing is trying to better walk out our relationship with the Lord through getting better at the fundamentals. The fundamentals, the spiritual disciplines are really the fundamentals. In the same way you try to master a skill, right? Mastering any skill comes with repetition. If you're good at any kind of skill, you didn't just wake up and do it. You had to work on it. I know that. I know that. Mastering any skill takes time. It takes, it takes repetition. If, if the worship team, if we just showed up on Sunday and, and we didn't practice, we hadn't listened, it would be a hot mess up here. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> There's times it has been because we didn't that much, you know? And, and I could say that because I sang today. But honestly, by the time we got here today, um, you know, I had sung those songs a hundred times this week. Mastering those skills takes repetition. Doesn't mean I've mastered it. I haven't. Not even close. But an athlete who excels at, at their sport, right? When we watch these guys in the NFL or college football or whatever that is, they practice, right? They show up, they go to practice and they train. And it's no more ridiculous to expect them to do great at their sport without practice than it is to expect a believer, a Christian, to follow through and walk and live out like Jesus if they don't actually do the things. If we're not practicing those things, why should we expect when we're in a situation that we need to draw on the Lord and we don't know how? 
and we don't have the truths of God's word in, in our lives and in our hearts. Tiger Woods, when he was uh, in, in high school, um, his dad, and he knew by then that he was gonna be a, a pro. Um, they knew when he was nine he was gonna be a pro because he was incredible. But his dad, when he was in high school, would come up behind him when he's in his backswing as he was practicing and he'd like drop keys or like do something like that to distract him all the time, did it all the time. And so that by the time he got to be a pro, nothing distracted him. To, to this point, you could probably blow an air horn in his ear now when he's in his backswing and he would still hit it 300 yards and it's way straighter than I ever will. The, I mean, and that came with practice and repetition, all of those things. Larry Bird, my opinion, one of the best shooters, if not the best shooter to ever live. Statistically, take a look. Dude shot 500 free throws every day. Every day. From the time he was in high school until he retired. Every single day. He, he was on crutches because he had surgery. Went out on crutches and shot 500 free throws every single day. Had back surgery. Had braces on, on his back. Went out to the court and shot 500 free throws every single day. Which is why he could win the three-point competition with his sweats on. And everybody else is like gearing up and he's just like, whatever. <laughs> because he shot 500 free throws every single day. A lot of people have likened the practice of spiritual disciplines to physical training. And you know where else that is done? In the Bible. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter nine as Paul's writing. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run? but only one gets the prize. So run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So what's he really telling us to do here? He's really telling us to live the way that Jesus lived. In a lot of ways, that's what he's saying. Prioritize spiritual practices and prioritize spiritual disciplines so that you can be more like Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter four says this, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Holiness, godliness, imitating the way Jesus lived and training yourself to do that. That's what he's talking about. And if we don't have a plan, we can't do that. Hebrews 12, one through two. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And you only know what those are in your life. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, fixing our eyes on Jesus. How do we fix our eyes on Jesus? Well, spiritual disciplines would be a good start Reading, prayer, fasting, that's exactly how. And these are steps towards holiness. That's what they are. They're taking steps toward holiness. Again, living the way Jesus lived, aiming 
for holiness. And we see that consistency over time and our spiritual disciplines, that matters. Consistency over time matters. That's what Jesus did. I know I've said that a lot, but... So let me answer this question again. Why do I not feel close to God? Well, maybe because you're not. These are the things that equate to that. These are the things that equate to that. If you're not connecting to him in the two main ways, both of which are sitting right there in front of you and are easily accessible, then why are you surprised that you feel far from God? You are. You know, some studies suggest that uh, New Year's resolutions, of which some people have made, I won't ask for hands, but New Year's resolutions typically fall off uh, by January 12th. They usually fall off by, by January 12th, but a key to success in New Year's resolutions is in uh, a group or shared goal, joint together, to not try to do it on your own. Well, guess what? Today's January 15th. So if you started one, more than likely, deuces to that one. But here today, January 15th, we have the opportunity to not start a New Year's resolution, but a commitment to Jesus, a commitment to the fundamentals. And as a church, if we engage in the spiritual practices together, which we should be, and we do in some regards, right? Like today, is that us getting together like this? Is that? But we will create the same kind of shared experience, the same kind of accountability that goes across generations because this is something we can do together as a church family as we learn from each other how to be more like Jesus. See, spiritual disciplines are better together. They're better together. This is something that you can instill in your home. This is something you can instill within maybe the life group that you're in. Maybe just between husbands and wives, friends, this is something that, that, can, that can look however it needs to look for you. But they're simply easier and better together, the spiritual disciplines are. There's accountability there. There's, a, there's certainly value in solitude, don't get me wrong. Solitude with the Lord, and, and, and that is a big part of this, without a doubt. But knowing that as a church family, that we are all in this together, that we're all doing this together is helpful, it's encouraging, and it's biblical. Let me give you a, a, a story. I'm not gonna turn there. I would encourage you to read it. It's in Second Chronicles chapter 20, Old Testament, and there's a king named King Jehoshaphat over uh, Judah, and he uh, sees this massive army that's coming to attack Judah, and he sees them coming. There's a whole lot more to this story than I'm gonna tell you, but there's a couple of important things here that I want you to see. Because what he ends up doing is saying, we don't know what to do. I don't know what we're gonna do about this. We don't have the army. We don't have the capabilities. We're gonna get obliterated here. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna call all of Judah to prayer and fasting and praise and worship. And that's what they did. It says... Uh, it, it says there that uh, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Uh, another verse says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And so they prayed and they fasted. And here's what happens. They pray, they fast, they praise and worship. The army's coming 
and they all just drop dead. The whole army just drops dead. They didn't have to lift a finger in battle because you know how they battled? By bending their knees and praying. That was the battle, and the Lord fought the battle. Early church, the book of Acts, you see them come together and make an impact on the world like something we've never seen. And did you know that every Wednesday and every Friday, the early church, they fasted and prayed? Granted, that was also culturally, you know, a thing for Jews. But at the same time, the early church did that. And they changed the world. They turned the world upside down. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. We wouldn't be gathered today. And next week, I'm going to be talking more specifically about fasting and how that can really level up your prayer life because it really can. But let me start with this when it comes to fasting. Let me just hit this real quick. Fasting, as it's used in the Bible, does mean not to eat, right? But it also, um, another way to look at it is the words self-denial, right? Because our hunger for the Lord, our spiritual hunger is so deep, so I'm going to deny myself some food so that my focus can be on, on the Lord and what he has for me. And there are definitely a lot of benefits to it, not only health-wise, but more, more intensely in your spiritual walk uh, to a time of prayer and fasting. But as, as I teach on this next week, I do want to say this one thing before we kind of get into that part, is that this is between you and God, and it is a private practice. So while I hope that all of us lean into fasting, and, and you know, to be able to, if someone asks you if you're fasting, you can certainly say yes, but we don't need to talk about the, uh, the ins and outs of it. We don't need to walk out of here and in, and in the lobby you're like, fasting three days this week, y'all. It's going on my Insta story. Like that, no. God's not gonna, God will not honor that, all right? We're not bragging about, um, about how we're fasting or what we're fasting and, and really no one else needs to know outside of maybe, maybe your spouse, in terms of what that's really looking like, because this is between you and the Lord. Safety is a priority here as well. Let me just say that. I do not want to come visit anyone in the hospital because you're like, I'm not eating for 21 days. Not what I said, right? Um, if God didn't say it, um, don't put those words in his mouth. And um, safety is priority here, right? And God didn't say for us to do that. So um, be smart about how you lean into this. Maybe it's fasting for one meal. Maybe it's, it's one meal a, a certain day of the week or every other day or something like that. I'll, I'll give you some more ideas and such next week of some different ways to do it. Maybe it's a Daniel fast, which is just fruits and vegetables. We can, we can talk through some of those things uh, next week. But as I call us to 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church, I want to begin not only with some of those instructions, but also a prayer focus. I want to give us a prayer focus because God calls his people to pray. When he does, when he calls his people to pray and fast, he is preparing them for something, uh, for something new, for something new that he is about to do. And this was the posture we took as a church family as we walked into the phase two multi-purpose center building project and God gave us favor because that was the posture that we took. And I believe he is calling us to pray and to fast again as we head into this new season of ministry with a completed campus, with a community that needs us, with a purpose of reaching, reaching them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that is our mission. That is the why behind the what of the buildings. That's the why behind the what of all that we do 
as a church community. And if we don't take some time to pray and to be focused on what the Lord wants us to do, if we don't take that approach as we implement the resources that he has blessed us with, then why would we expect, why would we expect his favor as we move forward? So this is something that I've prayed and fasted about coming into to today as I seek God's vision for our church, and I'm going to continue to privately. And God's clearly laid this on my heart to lead us in this way. That for us to take the next step as a church, we need to individually take a next step in our walk with him towards godliness and towards holiness together. And so I have a prayer focus for you, as I mentioned, for each week, for the next three weeks, beginning this week. And here it is. Here's our first one. It's this, to have a heart for the house. This is what I want to ask you to pray for, specifically this week. To have a heart for the house. And here's what I mean by that. Our local church. I want us to pray for us. Let's, as we begin this, let's pray for each other. Let's pray for each other together. We have an incredible opportunity to reach and serve our community. As we begin the new year, as we move toward Easter, yeah, I'm already saying Easter. I know, you're like, Jay, it's January, stop. Listen, it's coming. And it's, a, and it's something, it's, it's a good date on the calendar for us to shoot for in terms of seeing a movement of God through this. Because if we're gonna reach our community, we need to take time to pray for our congregation. We need to take time to pray for each other as a church family. Pray that this would continue to be a place of love and that we can get better at that. Pray that there would be no hypocrisy throughout our, our church family, that we wouldn't slip into that. Pray over the resources of the church that God has so incredibly blessed us with and that we can continue to be generous. Pray that this new year we'd see financial stability and financial growth that we can, we can learn to be good stewards and, and, and continue to be good stewards of God's time, of God's money, of God's resources, of all those things that he's given to us. And we do this for his kingdom and for his kingdom alone. And so these 21 days of prayer and fasting, I've also, uh, we put together a resource for you that's right here. And you can download it on our website today. Uh, you'll be able to go there and download it here in just a little bit. Um, but it's, uh, we've actually got physical handouts as well uh, at the orange wall that you'll be able to grab on your way out uh, while supplies last. And, uh, and I can print more for sure. Um, but, um, but this guide is exactly that. It's a 21 days daily guide. It's not a, I'm, I'm not saying you need to follow every single aspect of this when it comes to, uh, there, there are a couple reading plans in here for you as a good place to start. There's also a 21 day reading plan on the Bible app uh, that you can find uh, if, you, uh, if, if you have uh, made Connect Church your home on the, Bible, on the Bible app, you can actually do that and make that your, your church um, and you'll find a 21 day Bible plan uh, that's on there. But these are, these are two that are in here as well. There's a, um, a New Testament one and an Old Testament one and you may notice they're 25 day reading plans. And before you're like, Jay, this is only 21. I know, okay? Here's the deal. I'm hoping that this actually gets you going past 21 days, right? That you're not just getting to 21 days and you're like, done, nailed it. Like, no, keep going. These disciplines are things that I'm hoping instill 
habits in you to keep going. And so this goes past 21 days. And so that aspect is really a guide, but it's got everything in here in terms of our, uh, our prayer focus for each week. So yeah, there's already a spoiler for what I'm preaching on the next two weeks. Have at it. Um, there's teaching about fasting that's in here and the purpose of fasting and, and the different types of fasting that I'm gonna get into next week and all of that. Um, but here's the deal. As we pray over our church, this is something that can bring us together in an amazing way. And I feel like we're already a very, um, a, a very well together church community, but this can, this can really bring us together even, even more. And knowing that we're all in this together, reading and praying and fasting together. And again, I'll say it again, if fasting is a concern for you, then maybe wait until next week until I address it. Um, because this week, Maybe you take the step of just beginning the habit of intentional prayer and finding that intentional prayer time with the Lord, and this is the week that you do that. You figure out when that prayer time is. Take, take one step. Take one little step toward that, and that's really the main thing that I want you to do through all of this, but more importantly, what God wants you to do through all of this, and that's my connection point actually for us for the day, and it's this. Take a step toward holiness. <coughs> Take a step toward holiness. I don't, I'm not trying to dump a huge pile of homework on you. That's not what this is supposed to be. This, I wanna inspire you and listen to the Lord to take a step toward holiness. Take one step. God's not asking us to, you know, bite off the whole mountain all at once, right? It's one step at a time. It's one step at a time. That's all Jesus asks us to take. So let me ask you this question. As we're looking at these spiritual disciplines of simply reading and praying, those two things, small steps, what's your next step? Between you and God, what is your next step? What does that look like? It's probably not the same as mine probably not the same as the person sitting next to you. What does your next step look like? Man, I, I need to pray more than just at meals. Yeah, that'd be a good place to start. All right, so when is that intentional focused prayer time that can have you take one step toward the Lord? When can you maybe spend some time reading his word this week every single day? It's not easy to start these things. So take one step. Take it a day at a time and you're taking a step toward holiness. Will you bow your heads with me? You have a choice to make. As a follower of Jesus, you have a choice to make. And Jesus holds us responsible for our choice. And the spiritual disciplines, just reading and prayer, they teach us to consistently turn our lives over to the Lord. When we do that, you just watch in the ways that he transforms your life. Just through the simple fundamentals. 
And I know that today's talk is a little more geared, well, a lot more geared at the church family specifically. But if you're here and you're just checking us out, you're seeking, you just have questions. This is also a place that you can come and ask your questions because you don't have to have it all together. Jesus never asked us to have it all together to come to him. He just asks for our trust. So if you do have questions, we'd love to answer them. We'd love to show you in God's word how you can know for sure that you have a relationship with him. Maybe, you're, maybe you were asking that question before you came in. I don't, I don't feel like God even wants to hear from me. I don't even feel like God can hear me. We'd love to show you in God's word how you can know for sure that you have a relationship with him and that he does hear you. Father, we're so privileged to be able to call you that, to be able to come to you anytime in prayer, in the power of prayer. It was a very real thing. Jesus, I'm thankful for the ways in which you've given us to communicate with you and you with us. And Lord, we don't use them enough. I don't use it enough. Father, we can talk to you. We can read your word anytime we want. But God, there are so many distractions in this world. There are so many things that pull us away. Help us to prioritize the spiritual disciplines of prayer and reading your word. Help us as a church family as we do our best to do that over the next 21 days. And God, for our prayer focus as we have a heart for the house, Lord, I pray for our church family. I pray that you would help us to continue to be a place of love. I pray that you would help us to, to not let any hypocrisy fall in. Lord, I know we all struggle with that one. God, I pray that you would help us to manage our resources, our time, our energy, our money. I pray that you'd help us to be more generous. I pray that we can be good stewards of what you've given to us. And Lord, that we can make an impact in our community for your kingdom. God, I pray that we would all take this challenge seriously for the next 21 days as we come together in prayer as a church family. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.